Uh, we've been looking at the Great Commission, and we're going to have two more lessons on that before we shift gears here. And what we've been looking at so far is the Great Commission that Jesus has given us with the charge to go. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. But he also says to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And as he calls us to do that, we then have this charge as the body of Christ to have some sort of an each one teach one relationship, really making its way as the fabric of the body of Christ. And that we all tend to do much better when we're being taught and when we are teaching. When all of that is going on in our lives, we typically have a fairly rich experience in the body of Christ. It is often a time of great growth for us to be stretched in both directions. And it's my encouragement that as we look at this tonight, that we can really build on the way that the Bible calls us to get after this idea of, of really training or discipling. Now, if you look with me over in 2 Timothy 3, the great mechanism we have for training is the word of God. So please turn with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. As you turn there, let me just first make mention that something that we take for granted that other churches don't take for granted and they call us and ask us about it all the time is the question, how is it that you all enjoy the discipleship process so much? How is it that you have people who demand to be trained in the word of God? And, and really, I think they're, they're really asking, how is it that there can be such a culture of an eagerness to grow in such a culture of humility that exists throughout. Uh, we typically say, we don't know, but since it's here, at least let us make the very most of it. But the, I bring it up not to just kind of dismiss it, but for us to really recognize it's, it's a wonderfully beautiful, rare thing that we have. That, that we actually all are eager to be stretched for the sake of Jesus and collectively to be more. As the body of Christ. That is nothing that we should ever, ever take for granted. And every time that we sit down and realize, oh my goodness, I have someone who's willing to train me. Or, oh my goodness, I have someone who's asking me to be able to provide some sort of discipling training for them. To, to know that that is beautiful. That is God's plan. It is his great commission. It's the way that Jesus had set up the way that the body of Christ would always grow. And we have it going on here. Everywhere it is, it is the default. A lot of places put a lot of energy into it and they can get after it for a little while, but it's not the default. And if it's not the default, then it's not the culture. It is our culture. Hallelujah. Let's make hay while this sun is shining upon us. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, as Paul is giving some beautiful guidance to his protege, to his disciple, he says... Verse 14, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And referring to those scriptures, he now says, all scripture is God breathed. And is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, 
and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's our charge in discipleship. That's the charge that Paul reiterates time and time again. Whether that happens in in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Whether it happens in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Whether it's happening repeatedly with Timothy. But nonetheless, there is a real goal that we could become servants who need not be ashamed. Servants that can appear before the judgment throne, appear before the throne of grace, ready for the great work that God has in store for us. Both to recognize that that we are equipped and that, that we are chosen for such a great task. And since that is the case, well, then let's get after it and let's get trained for the righteousness and for the righteous works that God wants us to do. And so what does he say is the great medium That will bring that about. The great medium, he says, is the word of God. This scripture is useful and is adequate. The word is sufficient. It is the be all and end all is is kind of another way of what Paul is saying here. For you to be thoroughly equipped for every good work in the body of Christ. And so as we get about training one another as the body of Christ, it is not just so that kind of. Uh, you, you, George, individually will be all of that as a representative of Christ. But you as part of the body of Christ in this great communal uh, organization that Christ has instituted, that you play a part in this great body of Christ so that we collectively represent Jesus to Hampton Roads. And the way that this is, I think, going to come into full blossom is what Jeff had shared with the guys last week, is that we need to get more deliberate and more serious about our training. We already want it. We're already all in. We already have it as our default. So why not put a little bit of laser-like focus to what it is that we do and just watch how the body of Christ can really flourish as each of us rise up to recognize our God-given role to play here in the body of Christ. And so this word for training is what I want to focus on here in 2 Corinthians 6. That scripture is useful for training in righteousness so that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The, the word training there is a word that is quite popular in, uh, let's say, progressive schools, especially academies or private schools. It's the word paideia. And a lot of academies like to even take that word on for themselves, that they'll call themselves the Paideia Academy, because it is a Greek word that hearkens to an approach to learning that is actually common sense. The Paideia approach is one where you come up with a plan of where it is that you want to go. George, where is it that you want to go? Oh, great. You want to you want to be more effective at uh, let's say studying out the grace of God with people. That's that's where you, you want to go next as you continue to flourish in your service to the kingdom of God. So let's get a plan then of how you're going to be more effective at studying out the grace of God. And, you know, as we sit down and have a discipleship time, a training session, then we brainstorm back and forth together until we formulate a pretty good plan. And then after we have that pretty good plan, usually there's some next steps that that attend to that. 
And those next steps, he runs off and goes after. Maybe I'll do it with him in some cases, depending on what those next steps are. Sometimes they're communal, sometimes they're individual. But either way, he'll go off and do those next steps, and then he'll come back. And when he comes back, typically what happens next is we completely forget about what we talked about last time. And we just talk about what's going on in life, and we come up with something new the next time we get together. Sadly, that is my experience (laughs) As we've got, like, we're really open and good-hearted about discipleship, but we've lacked the edge of intentionality that training, that paideia, really does insist upon. And if we have that paideia edge to our training, wow, what, what's going to occur? Now, paideia is no wimpy term. As a matter of fact, a lot of times, this training almost sounds like it's training through pain. I mean, there really is like no pain, no gain. Pain is just weakness leaving the body. You know, all of the, 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 you know, when you look at the cinder block wall at your metalhead gym, you know, those phrases, those phrases typically are giving you an insight into paideia and what is involved in paideia. But it's not just a kind of, oh, let's just be nice and see if through osmosis we tend to grow some way or another. No, there's an intentionality about this. There is a, a, an eye on the prize and an intensity as you get after, whether it's learning to study out grace uh, through the scriptures with somebody or whatever it might be, that, uh, that you realize, you know what? I think God can use me in this avenue. Let's get after this thing. To, to t- kind of flesh out the word paideia. It's used here in 2 Timothy. Another place where it's fairly famous where it's used is in Ephesians 6.4. Anybody without going over there want to guess what it, what it says in Ephesians 6.4? That might be paideia. Somebody raise their hand if you think you know. This is where it's awkward. We'll have an edit on, on the tape. No, it's not, it's not that. There you go. Yeah, train, train, train up your child is, is, is that passage. It is the idea of, of um, fathering or uh, parenting a child in the way that you go about that. Uh, and now, by the way, the main passages on Paideia are 2 Timothy 3, Ephesians 6, but then there's one passage where it's used more times than all of the rest of the New Testament. And that's in Hebrews 12. Turn over there with me. Hebrews 12. God disciplines his children is the heading of my section. Ready to go? Let's read. In uh, verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. That seems like that should be on a gym wall, too, doesn't it? <laughs> and have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says. And now we we hearken back to Proverbs. My son, do not make light of the Lord's paideia, training, discipline. The word training or discipline are synonyms. So I may just kind of use them uh, interspersed throughout this passage. 
My son, do not make light of the Lord's training. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord trains the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as training. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not trained by their father? And if you're not trained, and by the way, you might be thinking, whoa, this training seems like it involves a paddle. Well, many times it might have, as you look at parenting and the, and the type of training that would have been familiar to this audience that he is he's speaking to. But th- this is the very idea of you're really going to, to give all that you've got to see your children flourish. Verse 8, if you are not disciplined... And everyone undergoes discipline. Or if you're not trained and everyone undergoes training, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who trained us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They, our human fathers, disciplined us or trained us for a little while as they thought best. But God trains us or disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Holiness is just not, oh, I'm like, you know, got a halo around me. Holiness is also the idea of you have been set apart for a very special purpose. And in order to live out that purpose, you're going to need some training for that to be the case. They disciplined us or trained us for a little while as they thought best, but God trained us to share in his holiness. No training seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. That's an intense passage, but that passage, I think, captures rather well the ethos or the essence of the idea of training and what it is that God wants us to be able to experience as we are being equipped and set apart for the holiness of his special consecrated work that we're to do as we live in this foreign land awaiting for the the, the great return of, of our own God. Now... As we get after this, what we typically do, and and this is my default, it's terrible, but it's the case, is that we have, you know, uh, discipleship times, right? And, and, And oftentimes, you know, kind of the better the friendship, the less intentionality. Right? If Paul and I go, we have some wings, and we sit and we talk. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, really cool. That's cool. What's going on with your kids? Right? We, we would talk. And then, and then maybe one of us says something that prompts a scripture. And when it does, we're like, oh, hallelujah. We don't say it out loud, but we say it to ourselves because then we can say afterwards, oh, yeah, honey, we looked at the Bible when we get home because our wives think that all we do is just to kind of talk about, you know, stuff and, and have wings. But, but, but I think the longer we've known one another and the closer our friendship, the easier it is just to have coffee talk, right? And instead of having intentional discipleship where we're getting back to realizing, ho, 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 yes, we may be doing this a while, But nonetheless, we need to be who we need to be for one another right here. And we need to get back to being like serious workout partners rather than just, you know, a couple of guys, you know, sharing uh, some some coffee talk with one another. So this is this is what I have fallen into. This is the softness and flabbiness of my training as I've no longer gone after the intensity of growth 
to be more like Christ and to, and to have all of that refined. Right? There, there's probably nothing in me as I'm having a conversation where I'm saying to myself, okay, remember what the scripture says. No training seems pleasant at the time, but rather painful. But it brings about a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Okay, get after it. No pain, no gain. Let's do this thing. Right? There's not been times like that, sadly. And I think if you kind of had gut level honest, you'd probably say the same. But you know what? No, there is not. But, but you know what? It's time that we get back to really having a generational lift. And there is nothing that can bring about our generational lift better than us rededicating ourselves to believing that God has plans for you and you and, and having those recognitions one to another. That where you are right now is not the glass ceiling that you have hit. This is not as high as you go. This is not as consecrated as you get. This is not as thoroughly equipped as you will be. This is not as effective as you will be for the sake of Jesus Christ. You have not hit your glory days. You have not hit your peak. You got personal bests that come in your way again and again and again. If only we get back to training again with the intentionality that this really does call. Now, what we then think of then is we automatically typically go towards all right, let's say I'm with Paul. Paul, all right, here's the deal, Paul. I, I am like notoriously thoughtless. I mean, notoriously thoughtless. And I, I, I need to be better at that. I need to be more, 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 more kind of caring and thoughtful and, and, and encouraging in a lot of situations. Like, this is what I automatically go to. And maybe you as well. You automatically go towards your weakness that you need to be trained in. Right? And, and you engage, then let's really engage in training my weakness. Well, guess what? People have been training that weakness in me for 20 plus years. And yes, they've made a 2% bump. Not that I'm happy with that, but I also recognize that, all right, maybe I can hit 2.5% if I like, redouble my efforts at this point. How about we don't kind of just neglect that, but how about we flip the script and train our strength? Right for, for, for those of you who have uh, multiple kids or for those of you who, who grew up uh, not too long ago and are kids. So let's say, let's say Lindsay right, right here. Um, I know her rather well. Now, Lindsay's like really great at um, kind of public speaking and forensics and volleyball. And she does those things. You know what she's not great at and, and actually knows, has no great love for? The piano. But when she was little, we gave her piano lessons. And we also kind of enrolled her in volleyball. And, you know, she came home beaming, excited about volleyball, begging me to bump the ball with her for the next three hours, asking me to go to the gym and train her even more afterwards. And with uh, piano lessons, we're like, have you done your drills? Uh, uh, yeah, I will, I will. <coughs> and, and then we would drag her and chain her to the piano bench and, and see if we could get her to, to kind of you know, run through the scales and do all of the wonders that are involved between lessons. Uh, if, if Lindsay becomes kind of the paradigm for how we go about discipling, then here's what we do. <coughs> Sorry, I guess I'm in the throat. I don't need water. You don't have to run and get me water. I appreciate the humility of you. <laughs> It won't, it won't fix anything. Um, but <laughs> anyway, if, if, if the example of Lindsay becomes the paradigm of how we engage in discipling relationships, then this is what we would do. We would all only take piano lessons. Yeah. 
And we would completely forsake volleyball. Because we'd be like, yeah, you know what? Ben, you're already encouraging. That's right. You don't need to work on that. But, Ben, you know what? You know what you need to work on, right? And whatever that weakness is, I, he doesn't have any, so it's hard for me just to come up with the top of my head. It's the bad part of these extemporaneous examples. But nonetheless, <coughs> um, but, but instead, whatever the weakness is, tends to be what dominates all of our training. And what if you did that to all the kids in our church? Everything that they hate, we're going to be like, parents, you need to, tra- if they can't play the piano, that's a weakness that should not exist in their life. There is no room for soccer in that child's life. Forget about field hockey. You get them on that piano bench and you keep them on that piano bench until they make a 2% bump in their achievement because that's all they're ever going to achieve because they hate it and frankly, they stink at it. But you keep pouring that money into those piano lessons. You keep pouring the energy that makes your household an absolute living Hades. Keep doing that. And then maybe you can get to a 3% bump. That somehow or another is, is the paradigm that we live in our discipleship. And it's, it's so upside down, right? And, and, and maybe we keep pouring hours of energy hours of prayer energy into one another for this piano playing example. But what if we flip the script and we decide for this season of our lives, what happens if we push one another in our strength? Right? You've, you've, got, a, you've got a strength. Maybe your strength, you know, Romans 12 has got a lot of strengths that are listed there. Don't, it, it could be, who knows? maybe it is giving. And, you know, it's an odd one, right? And, and maybe that person gives way more than you give, but you still are their coach. You still are their trainer. And you, you, let's just see how far it goes. My goodness, what it is that you can kind of help bring into existence, into reality, by you getting even better and better at your giving. Uh, maybe it is teaching and you've not yet kind of fanned into flame what that teaching is going to look like. You know, right now, uh, Derek is, is trying to get really great at apologetics so he can be a resource for all of our teens on evolution and on creation. Uh, he wants to be able to be able to really show how the biblical uh, text that we have is reliable and, and has veracity, that he wants to be able to be great at those things. But no one's ever pushed him, but he loves it and he's good at it. But because he loves it and he's good at it, everyone who's been in a discipling relationship with him thinks, oh, yeah, he likes that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm sure it'll go well. No, what if we pushed him until his fingers bled? Right? You know, in the best sense of that word. Right? What, what if we pushed him in his strength? We don't push anybody in their strength. We don't. We're, we're like, oh, it's a strength. They got that. Show me a weakness. I'll get on that. Plus, we feel like we're more qualified because their weakness might be more weak than your weakness in that area. And so you think, well, I can help you in that. And I, here's, here's, and now I'm not saying, this has not, Jeff mentioned this really well last week too. This has nothing to do with sin, by the way. Well, I thought we weren't going to talk about sin. No, if there's sin in somebody's life, flag on the play, time out, all the training stops, and we deal with the sin. We deal with it thoroughly until there's godly sorrow, repentance, and refreshment that comes from that. We do not do anything but that when, it, when, when there is sin. No doubt. But 
there's not sin like every single day. So let's get back to training on the strength, right? We, and by the way, when you get so excited and consumed about how you're going to be a better resource so that our teams all have a deeper appreciation for the veracity of the Word of God and you're reading more books and you're getting excited and you're building slides and you're coming up with examples and you're getting ready for the workshop, it will probably be that you are so wonderfully consumed with your strength that you are not leaving room or a foothold for the devil to kind of take you into a path that you might have otherwise gone to. The reason that you can say no to ungodliness and worldly passions is because now you have a bigger yes. A bigger yes that not only are you good at, but you actually like. There is stuff that you're good at and there is stuff that you like. That if we make that the intense focus with intentionality week after week, first week, let's get the plan together. What will it look like? What are you going to work on? How does it benefit the body of Christ? What is the value going to be of that? What very next steps will you do? Let's write out those very next steps to see what it would be. The week that we come back, what do we say then? Hey, how are those wings? No, we ask about how did it go? We stay intentional. We stay on task. We bring this thing all the way through until it is a strength that is running at full speed. And that whether that might, might be, you know, being just great at, at being able to express apologetics, uh, whether it's just great that you're able to help people really understand the, uh, the, the uh, passion of Jesus. And, and how it, it makes a difference in their lives. Uh, whether it's that you become very disciplined at encouraging other people with a gospel message every single day. Well, whatever it might be, that you put down some very next steps for what it is. Now, here's the difficulty in all of this. That you come up with a strength, and, and that takes a long time. Because you, you first, when you say, hey, let's have a discipling plan. Like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I'm not like Jesus in this, this, this. We're not like Jesus in any of those things. Of course we're not. But in the body of Christ, if the body of Christ collectively is going to be more like Jesus, which is what matters to God, then what is your strength that helps us communally to be more like Jesus? As effective as Jesus says when he says, you will do even greater things than I do. It's only going to be by us really emphasizing those strengths. So whether that's field hockey, uh, or, or I'm using them metaphorically. I don't mean field hockey, literally, uh, or, 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 or soccer. But I'm saying whether that would be that, you know what, you actually have leadership skills in the teens. Time for you to go after it. You are great at hospitality. I want to see how high is high with what you can do through hospitality. You're really great at being able to just talk to people casually as you walk around and meet them. Why don't you show us how that becomes so incredibly effective to be able to befriend people quite naturally? You are really great at, you know, fill in the blank, that you've got that. And, but here, so let's say you finally, after a lot of prompting of not just coming up with your weaknesses, finally come up with a strength. Here's what you're going to be tempted by. The reason I say this is because I've had this conversation with a lot of people already. The next thing you'll be tempted by is, oh, yes, yes, I, I, am, I am good at serving, but you know what? There's like 20 people that are so much better than serving than I am. I probably shouldn't put that down. It's embarrassing that I would say serving when I know that Willie put down serving as well. I mean, I mean that's a farce that I would have serving and he would have serving down. How's that? How am I going to help the body of Christ if somebody like that is doing that for the body of Christ? Shut your mouth. Here's the deal. The reason... The reason it hasn't been fanned into flame is because no one's ever pushed you. You don't know how high is high. You don't know how good is good for you. If you actually like it 
and you feel like, you know what, this is something that I can do, you don't know how high your bench press is going to go when you get trained in that activity. You haven't, you haven't head down that route uh, yet at all. And the mere fact that you're so down on yourself shows that you're not comfortable having your strength fanned into flame. So now we're going to do the, the, the wonderful uh, favor to you to fan into flame your strength and to let you indulge in your God-given affinity for that very activity. And, and, and you say, well, but I don't know, but I like it. I, I feel guilty doing something I like. <laughs> well, the body of Christ is never going to benefit from you if, if you only kind of indulge your martyr complex and only like work on weaknesses so that you can feel better about the kind of the, the drudgery of what discipleship is meant to be. We need to be not individually Christ. We need to be collectively Christ. And our only chance to do even greater things is not by any one of you suddenly embodying all the great qualities of Christ. Good luck on that one. But maybe you got some amazing abilities individually that, that together come to this. So this is the deal. Is that I really want you to start thinking before your next discipleship time of this is my plan of how to fan into flame the thing that I'm pretty good at and I kind of like and really will serve the body of Christ. I, you know, again, you might be good at juggling, you might like it, but I don't know how that's going to affect the body of Christ. All right, we got to keep this to things that you actually will serve the body of Christ through this. All right, and so, so whatever that is, but then you come up with a plan. You even have some scriptures that will guide you in this regard. And then you come up with a plan and you sit down with your discipling partner and say, all right, you are now my trainer. You are my personal trainer. I'm not paying you anything, but I expect to get everything that a personal trainer would provide with no money whatsoever. You are going to push me. When I say stop, you're going to say no. I'm going to push you even harder. You're going to see how far this strength can go. You're going to see how glorious the body of Christ can really be. And after you have the plan and the next steps, we're going to come back together the next week and we're going to see our progress. When Paul says to check on progress, he says this, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholeheartedly to them so that everyone may see your progress. That's also to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4.15 Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholeheartedly to them so that everyone may see your progress. So when Thomas comes back the next week and we're sitting down and, and Thomas had, had down his service of what he was going to do and to be able to help make a great difference through his service. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask him, okay, what were your next steps for your service? And he said, you know what? I wanted at least three days a week to actually serve someone in my Bible talk. Three days a week, someone in my Bible talk. And so we come back and say, how, how did it go, Thomas? He says, well, you know, and, and, and this is what I'm going to ask. Thomas, based on your plan... And, and based on the progress you want to see, the scriptures say, be diligent in these matters and give yourself wholeheartedly to them. Let's just say diligence is the idea of consistency. And wholeheartedness is the idea of intensity. So the consistency was three times. The intensity was how deeply you would serve. Let's talk about your consistency and your intensity so that we can see your progress. By the way, it's what every coach on earth does. It's the paideia cycle of every institution under the sun. Whether it be piano teacher, volleyball coach, your, your math tutor, they're, they're going to ask, all right, how many days did you actually work on this? And when you worked on it, like how much effort did you give? Does that sound like some revolutionary idea? 
It's what everybody does. It's training. It's paideia. It's also what the Bible lays out for us of how it is that we can see our progress. Of how is your, in, your consistency? How is your intensity? So I'll ask Thomas. Okay, so we, we have these two components that contribute to progress. Consistency and intensity. So with those next steps, which would you say is your stronger suit? Your consistency or your intensity this week? And maybe he says, you know what? I, I guess it would probably be my consistency. I actually got with, with, um, with people four times this week and, and served them. Um, I was like, okay, so tell me how that helped. And then these are great questions to fan into flame his strength. How did it help? What difference did that make? How did that promote even more working of the Holy Spirit through you? How did that help? What difference did that make? How did that promote even more working of the Holy Spirit through you? One of you is bold enough to say, can you say those again? How did that help? What difference did it make? How did that promote even more working of the Holy Spirit through you? And we talk about that. And we get excited about that based on the strength of consistency. Not, oh, well, I guess your intensity was bad, so tell me about that. No, I'm going to focus on the strength and fan that into flame. And then I'll say, okay, so for next week, what if we amped it up? What if you kept the same consistency and dialed up the intensity? What would that look like next week? And then he gets the plan together. And likewise, I ask him, what difference would that make? Or imagine it now next week. You're more intense on those four episodes. Much more intense. What difference would that make? How would it make things better? How would that promote even more working of the Holy Spirit through you? Or even how would you be shaped more into a man of, of great service? And how would the body of Christ be, be better augmented by, by what it is you're going to do? And then he gets after that. Guess what? He comes back the next week and I say to him, how are those wings? No. I say to him, all right, you went after these next steps last week. What would you say was the, the stronger suit this week? Again, your consistency or your intensity? Reading to him again, 1 Timothy 4.15. And we talk about it again. And I ask him, all right, great. That was the strength area uh, as you went after this. How did that help? What difference did that make? How, did, how would that promote even more working of the Holy Spirit through you? Great. Now, what if we shore it up on this other side? What does that look like? And we do that for more than a few times until we feel like, you know what? You are now going for it. You are now legend. There is no mistaking that what you're doing is a unique and amazing gift to help the body of Christ. And I think when we get to that point, then we can say, you know what? I think we're good here. We'll come in and do a little preventative boosting from time to time in this. But right now, I think you got this. Sure, we'll mention it. How about we move on to yet another strength and see what we can work on? But I would, I would say for the next three months, stick to one right now. Stick to one until you see how high is high, how strong is strong, how gifted is gifted in whatever it is that you're about to do. And let's see how great we can really make the body of Christ here in the Hampton Roads Church. Let's go ahead and break to our groups and begin talking about how we're going to get after this. <laughs>